Uh, like Lisa said, I'm Brittany. I'm the Kids Community Director over at Vista Worthington, and it is such a joy to be with you today. Um, thank you. The first time I ever came to Vista was right here in this room, so there's some extra sweet nostalgia for me to be back in this place, so thanks for being here with me. Um, mamas, where you at? Right? You here today? Are you cheering them on? All right. I want you to hear me. If no one else tells you this today, you are fully loved, you are not alone, and you are doing a great job, okay? If no one else tells you that, you need to hear that now. Um, while, just like Lisa said, while we are going to celebrate today and um, all of our moms in our communities, we want to recognize that there are people where today is just difficult. It's just difficult for many. Um, if you've ever heard Dr. Tammy teach, she talks a lot about how all of life is held on the two rails of joy and grief. And we're going to do our best to hold on to both of those today without diminishing the other. So I have um, a job for you in true teacher fashion. Um, I want you to start thinking through characteristics of a good mom. I want you to turn to someone near you. I want you to come up with a list of three to five things that make up a good mom. You don't have to be a mom to be able to do this. You don't have to have had a good mom to be able to do this. You can think about women in your circles, in your lives, who have characteristics of a good mom, or you can even take the antithesis of what you had. If you're joining us online, we'd love for you to engage in our chat on YouTube and do the same thing. So I'm going to give you about a minute. Will you go ahead and start coming up with those characteristics? All right, do you have your lists? Yeah? Good. I heard some really good ones. I came up with my own list. Are you ready? Let's see if you and I have anything of the same. Protector. Does anybody have that on their list? Right? We all know the old saying, do not, not get between a mother bear and her cubs, right? How many of you have a t-shirt or a shirt that says mama bear on it? Right? People might be like, oh, what a cute shirt. You're like, no, no, this is a warning. You come after my kids, I will destroy you like a mama bear in my cute shirt, right? I mean, how, how suddenly do you get aggressive toward a six-year-old because they were mean to your kid? Or how quickly you fire off that email to that teacher? Maybe you get a little vocal with that coach or that ref. Or maybe you're a little more passive-aggressive. We are never doing anything with that family, right? Protector. Ah, what about patient, grace-filled, being able to treat your kids and everyone around you with dignity and respect? Yeah, loving. Anybody have loving on theirs? Fully loving, being able to give of yourselves to serve your kids and the people around you. That's a good one. Ah, I love this one. The organized one, right? Have you ever met those mom where everything is put together? Their hair, their clothes, their kids, their house, their everything, right? It's all put together. I love this because we have to be organized. Some of your family calendars look like airport flight schedules, right? But they're color-coded because you're organized. Ah, I like this one too. What about being able to recognize when you make mistakes? Putting off some of the social pressures, cultural pressures that are on you? All right, if you're singing Chicago in your head, you're not alone right? Moms are inspirational. They have so much wisdom that they are passing down through their words, their actions. Are you relevant? A relevant one, 
right? There's nothing wrong with this necessarily. You want to be someone that your kids and their friends want to be around. What about a good role model? Someone who instills confidence and courage into your kids. Oh, yeah. How are you fun and flexible? You have to be present. A present mom is able to be fun and flexible. Why do you have to be flexible? Because those flight schedules on that calendar change. What about someone who raises a world changer? Someone who raises a kid to blaze a path so others can follow. That's pretty incredible, right? I would love for that list to describe me as a mom. Did I have anything in the same as you? Do we have anything in the same? Do you have any of my same list? No? Yes? No? Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, I have one more mom I want you to see. I want you to take a good look at her. This is Mary at the foot of the cross. Is this the picture of a good mom? She can't even do that basic instinct of protecting her kid. He's dying a public and gruesome death. At this point in time, there's no world changer. Nearly all of his friends and followers have abandoned him. Someone closest to him sold him out. This isn't fun. She isn't put together. There are enormous cultural pressures on her that she cannot shake off. And we aren't left with any words of wisdom from her in this moment. So are those the things that make a great mom? I hope you noticed one of my moms on here doesn't have her own kids in this list. We're going to come back to her later. If I look at your list, look at my list, put all of our lists together, I will never meet those expectations. So I'm going to suggest that those aren't what make a good mom. We're going to dig in this together. Um, We're going to look into passage real quick. Um, We're going to turn to scripture to see what Jesus says about being a good mom. We're going to start in Mark chapter 9. We're going to go through verses 31, excuse me, 30 through 41. If you, um, I'd love for you to get your Bible out or Bible app and do this with me. Um, If following along isn't something that you're comfortable with, I'd love you to write passages down today. It is so important that anytime someone is teaching you from the Bible, that you are double checking what they're saying. In Acts, Paul praises a group of people called the Bereans because every time he taught them from the scripture, they were double checking his words. So I highly encourage you to do the same. All right, you ready? We're going to start in verse 30. They, the disciples and Jesus, left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus didn't want to know, didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they, the disciples, didn't understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Now there's a lot going on in this passage, but what we're going to focus on today is Jesus is telling his disciples, his closest friends, hey guys, I'm going to die. And they don't get it. All right, let's go to verse 33. They came to Capernaum. When he was there in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. 
Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. All right, so Jesus had just told his friends at the beginning, hey, I'm about to die. And this doesn't fit into their cultural context of who the Messiah is supposed to be. He's trying to reframe their thinking. He's like, no, no, this is not the political makeover that you think it's going to be. This is a soul makeover. And they don't get it. So they go back to doing something that they understand. They start arguing with each other about who in their group is the best, who's great. They're ranking each other. It's like March Madness within the disciples, right? And so Jesus, again, is trying to do this cultural shift. He's like, he takes a kid who at this point in time has very low rank culturally. And he takes him, he's like, no, no, if you want to understand who's great in my kingdom, you have to be able to see the people in my kingdom the way that I do. All right, verse 38. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name. We told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. All right? So these disciples are struggling to understand all these cultural, contextual shifts that Jesus is making. They don't understand his death. They don't understand this rank, right? Rank at this time in culture was a really important thing within Jewish groups. It was, it was a cultural norm. This happened all throughout um, Jewish culture. And then, so they don't understand those two things. And then they go and they're like, that guy over there, he can't do miracles, <laughs> right? He's not one of us. He's not in this exclusive group of 12 who hangs out with Jesus the most. And Jesus is like, I need you to understand this. I am the one who allows him that power to do that in my name. So he's going to keep doing it. We're not going to stop him. (laughs) So three times the disciples are like, no, this is what culture, this is what we understand to be. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm changing this. And I need you to be with me. I love it because we are so much like the disciples, right? We're always trying to do what we think is best, what we're told to think is best. We have these cultural ideas of who's great, who's doing a good job, right? I want to do a good job. I want to do a good job this morning. I want to do a good job as a parent. But I need to understand that in the context of Jesus. So again, what does it mean to be a good mom? Moms have a tendency to judge themselves and each other pretty harshly. And although the disciples don't get it right in this passage, they start to understand what it means culturally, what Jesus is trying to change about people and their value. Because when they write the Gospels, do you know what they do? They write it as it was. They include women as valid witnesses. People who of low cultural rank wouldn't have been included in documents like this. They're included. They're etched into history, right? They finally get it. Because who were some of the first people to get past the cross for what it meant culturally and understand it for what God meant it to be? They were women who showed up first to the tomb, 
Who did Jesus talk to first after he rose from the dead? They're all women. All right. They're all of low cultural rank, but Jesus changed that. We're going to talk about four principles today that hopefully are going to undercut the lists that we all made this morning about what a good mom is. They should be on your handout today. Um, if you would rather use a digital copy, copy, copy of this, there's a QR code on there if you'd like to scan that. If you're online, there is a link on our YouTube channel that you can click and access this same handout. Um, number one. You need to prioritize your discipleship over your discipling. A disciple is a learner. So that means you've got to be learning. You've got to be discipled before you can do that for your kids or anyone else. So we have a couple ways we can do this. One is prayer. Just start small. Pray together as a family before you eat a meal. At the kids' community table, we have calendars with prayer prompts, and they aren't just for kids. It's a prompt for every day of the entire year, just something little to pray for. Start there, right? What about just taking two minutes a day and just sitting in silence so you can hear from God? For some of you, that's a shorter amount of time than your kid is in timeout, right? Here's a challenge. If timeout is part of your family dynamics, see if you can sit with God for the amount of time your kid is in timeout. <laughs> That's how it should be, right? <laughs> All right, another one is community. A lot of times we feel lonely as moms, but we're not meant to be alone. There's an entire kingdom of believers, of people who are following after Jesus. So find yourself some community. What about your gift mix? Who are you made to be? There are so many surveys out there. We have spiritual gift tests, Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram. It goes on and on and on and on. Those can help you figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and how to capitalize on those. Scripture. It's one of the ways that God speaks to us. If it feels daunting to just open up a Bible and start reading it, start with a children's Bible. I'm serious. It's still God's word. It's alive, it's active, and it will not return void. I remember a student many years ago gave me the Jesus Storybook Bible, and as an adult, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. It like, gave this like, whole picture of the Bible, and it was awesome. We see Mary modeling this. In Luke um, 1, verses 46 to 55, it's typically called Mary's song. Mary has just found out that she is going to be pregnant with the Messiah, and her response, her initial response, is to start praising God. And what comes out of her mouth, the overflow of her heart, it's scripture. It's scripture from the Old Testament. Mary was immersed in scripture. Your kids need to see you learning. Just like anything else in life, more is caught than taught. And the best way for you, your Sorry, the best way to help your child to become a learner of Jesus is to be one yourself. In Luke 2:52, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. How did he do that? He had parents, Mary and Joseph, who were doing these things in their home. Number two, 
You cannot be everything. You can't. Our cultural culture will tell you you can, and it is a lie. If you take any time to do any of those surveys, those gift tests, whatever it is, you will quickly find out that you have strengths and you have weaknesses. It's natural. We all do. I am not crafty or artsy at all. So when that note comes home from school every year in every class that says, please work with your child to create an artistic representation of, I hand that note right to my husband, I get all the supplies, he and the kid make the art, I make sure that masterpiece gets to the school on time, high five teamwork, right? I cannot be everything. I don't have the skills to be everything. So there's a really important passage I want you to see today, and I put it on the handout. It should be the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Um, Oftentimes, if you read any kind of parenting book, this is it in there. All right, let's start. Verse 4. Does it say, hear, O moms? All right, how about, hear, O parents? These are the, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Is that what it says? No, it says, hear, O Israel. Hear, O nation. God did not have Moses call all the parents together for some parent equipping. He called the nation together because this is a directive for everyone. It goes through. It's a celebration of who God is. And then there's a direct commandment. Look at verse 7. It says, oh sorry, verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. If you have kids in your home, yes, this is a literal, you need to be talking about Jesus, about God all the time with your kids, right? It needs to be part of your life. But if you don't, who is this talking about? It's talking about the next generations. God was saying, look, I want you to teach about me from generation to generation to generation to generation. And this is going to take all of you. This does not fall solely on the shoulders of moms or on parents. This is for everyone, the nation. Right? Couple reasons. Our next generations matter. They matter so much, and they need to hear the truth about who God is. And secondly, all of us leave gaps. We can't do it all. It has to be this communal effort. Great momming, great mothering is great teamwork. When I was really little, we had a children's pastor at our church, and he was amazing. I still remember so much from him. He and his wife weren't able to have their own children, and for whatever reason, they never adopted. But their circumstances did not deter them from taking this passage to heart, and they did it really, really well. So if you are not teaching the truth of God to the next generation within your own home, where are you doing it? 
Are you doing it with your extended family, your neighbors, your coworkers? What about our kids on Sunday mornings? Are you serving in there? Yes, I will shamelessly put a plug in for that. <laughs> what about our middle school students, our high school students? What about Bloom, our free store? There are literally hundreds of families walking through those doors every month. Look out in your communities. Look at things like Young Life, Wildlife, Young Lives, other organizations like that, that their sole goal is to reach the next generation. Are you in a life group? Are you coming alongside the people in this room? All of Jewish culture was done within the confines of community. That's the context with which Mary was raising Jesus. It's drastically different than how we live here in the West. Be aware. Our culture is telling you not only that you can do everything, but that you have to do everything. You gotta let that go. You gotta refocus, come back to the cultural shifts that Jesus made. I hope you noticed these first two principles aren't just for moms. These are for everyone. We're applying them to moms today, but these are for everyone. All right, number three. Hold realistic expectations for yourself and for your kids. You will fail. They will fail. You will make mistakes. They will make mistakes. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. James 5.20, I'm going to paraphrase. Unconditional love covers over a multitude of mistakes right? When we fail and when we respond to the failings of our kids or the people around us, we are given an opportunity to provide an example of what unconditional love looks like, right? We have a father who loves us unconditionally. Think about Mary at the foot of the cross again. As a human, there had to be so many things going through her head, right? I don't, know how you, how, I don't know how as a parent you can stand in that space and not have those lies that are going through your head of like, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that, on and on and on and on, right? Talk about feeling like a failure. But even in that moment, Jesus affirms Mary and he provides for her because it's unconditional Love. Another piece of real ex realistic expectations is found in Proverbs 22.6. Train, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. The emphasis is on they, not the you train, <laughs> right? You need to, right, part of learning is learning who your child is. What is the path God has for them? It might not be the same one that you have for them. We see Mary doing this in Luke 2, 41 through 52. All right, parents of 12-year-olds, this might feel really relatable. Jesus is 12. They've done um, the Passover as a family. Mary and Joseph are heading back um, to their hometown. And Jesus decides he's going to stay, hang out, 
with the rabbis in the temple, but he failed to communicate that, right? Anybody? Communication skills in your family? Yeah? Anyone? Okay. Parents, I need you to hear this. When you're, anyone, when you're having a bad day, here's some perspective. Has God ever shown up to you in the form of an angel and been like, here, I'm going to put you in charge of the Messiah, the one who's going to save the entire world that everyone has been waiting for for all of time, right? Anybody had that? Then did you literally lose the Savior of the world? (laughs) I'm not talking metaphorically or spiritually. Literally, Mary has lost the Savior of the world for three days. Right? You ever lost something? Maybe your kids lost something, right? This puts a little perspective into it. um, uh, Erwin McManus does a great teaching on this. I highly encourage you to listen to it. It's so good. All right, so I want you to picture Mary, right? She's fully human. Moms, right? People, if you've ever lost something important like a child, you know how you start feeling like five minutes in, right? Three days later, can you imagine... The emotion that's like pretty high, the lack of sleep. My face would be super puffy, right? She shows up, she finds Jesus, and Jesus' response is basically, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm sure we'd all handle that wonderfully well. (laughs) Right, right. So in verse 51, here's the sign of a good mom. It says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. Yeah, same. I do the same. Are you kidding me? She treasured these things in her heart. She remembered these. She'd weighed these things in her mind. She was actively learning about her kid, actively learning about the path God had for him. Right? She leaned in. She guided him. Now put yourself in her shoes again at the foot of the cross. If you don't know the whole story, Mary looks like a terrible mom, right? What kind of mom raises the kind of kid that goes against the religious, cultural, governmental structures of the world and then gets himself killed for it, right? But that wasn't God's path. God had sent Jesus to die on purpose, right? Thankfully, we know that story. Jesus' death, his resurrection was for our rescuing. It's the whole point that we're here today. We wouldn't be doing this if that didn't happen. I can guarantee you that wasn't Mary's plan. No parent would ever want that for their kids. But it was God's plan, and Mary put herself in a place where she guided Jesus in God's plan for his life. The sign of a good mom. All right, finally, your child is God's child. As parents, we are stewards of our kids, but ultimately they belong back to God. Here's the good news. You're not going to get it all right. You're not going to be able to do these principles perfectly. This is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong discipleship. But God is alive and active and present as you and your child both grow. And because we're not going to get it all right, one of the best things we can do is point our kids back to Jesus. 
We see Mary doing this in John too. Jesus's family is at a wedding and Mary is busy mothering other people's kids, right? The wine's gonna run out. She's worried about them. She's worried about the social implications of this. And she's trying to get Jesus to do her idea. He's like, mom, it's not my time, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, but the greatest mothering Mary does in this story is in verse five. She turns to the servants who are helping them that day and she goes, do whatever he tells you. She just points them to Jesus. And that has to be our posture as parents. We have to be able to point our kids back to Jesus. Did you notice that all four of these principles have to do with your identity? We're often floundering as people, as moms, because we don't have our own identity in being a child of God. How are we supposed to help anyone else figure out their identity if we don't even know ours? We have this cultural picture of a mom, but really there's a variety of looks. There are people in our midst who are moms and we may never know that they are moms. There are people like Mother Teresa. Did you catch that in my beginning? Mother Teresa never had her own children. but She sure mothered, didn't she? She did a great job. Moms, I told you that you are fully loved, that you are never alone, and that you're doing a great job. And it's true. You are fully loved beyond what you can comprehend by the God who created you and who's equipping you to be a mom. And you're never alone because God promises that he will never leave us alone. Plus, there's this entire body of Christians who can come alongside you if you'll let them. And if you're trying to focus on these four principles instead of all those lists we made, then you're doing a great job. I hope you hear that today. Let's take a minute Take a moment. We're going to do the most important thing we can do for our kids and for our next generations. We're going to go before the God who created each and every one of us and has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. Will you join me in that?